Today on Abounding Grace, living life by faith. This is amazing grace. Set aside the next half hour as we study Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. Find your place in chapter 11 as we'll begin there in just a moment. And Ed, I guess we could sum up this chapter with the word faith. We're going to start out with the definition of faith and then go on to see what faith looks like. What are you hoping our listeners will take away from this chapter? Well, we spent a lot of time teaching through chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews. And that's a really good question to ask, Larry, because I don't know that I asked and answered this question before we dove into the chapter. Uh, Our commitment to teach verse by verse, you know, chapter by chapter, uh, we just go through the word and, and really allow the Holy Spirit to reveal to us what he wants to give us. And now looking back at what it, what it did in our church, as we look back and say, you know what? I know what the Lord did, and I know what he wants to do now in airing this on the radio. And that's simply this, that our faith would grow in a faithful God. And looking at not only God's faithfulness, but his faithfulness through real life people. I don't want you, listen, you guys listening, I don't want you to ever read the Bible again like these people are not like you or you're not like them. You know, we are separated by culture. We're also separated by how many years, you know, technology and stuff. But people are people, you know, people are people. And so these true stories in the scriptures are encouraging us to know that if God got them through, then he'll get us through too. God's the same yesterday, today and forever. He's so faithful to us. So I want you to grow in your faith. I want you to take steps of faith. I think the Lord's stirring you up as you travel along with Abounding Grace with us. It's so good. You are going to be blessed. And we took a lot longer in this chapter than I had anticipated as we went through individually, one by one, just allowing the Holy Spirit to teach us different facets of faith. It's going to be awesome. So with that as a backdrop, let's dive right into Hebrews chapter 11. Here again is Pastor Ed. Take your Bibles, open them to the book of Hebrews as we start a brand new chapter today, Hebrews chapter 11, in a Bible study that I've entitled Faith on Display. And we're going to be spending the many next few, next many weeks, I should say, on this topic of faith. And we're going to go very slowly through chapter 11. I'm not sure how long it will take us, but we're not going to go quickly because God wants to build up our faith and he wants us to be encouraged in learning how to trust him. And this is a new section. And another reason why I believe Paul wrote Hebrews because of the pattern in which he wrote. As you study the letters that Paul wrote, letters like Ephesians and Galatians and Philippians, there is a predictable pattern that he follows. And this is the pattern. In the beginning of the letter, he lays the foundational doctrinal framework of the topic that he's writing about. He he gives you what the Word of God says and what it means. 
And then in the second half of his letters, he gives you the application. Now that you know what it says and now you know what God means, how do you live that out in your life? And that is a good way to open up your Bible. I mean, every time we open up our Bible, the very first question we ask is, what does it say? What does the Bible say? The second question we ask is, what does it mean? Now remember, we don't want to just find out what it means in the 21st century. No, we need to find out what it means in the context. Never forget that word. We need to remember that the Bible was written in a context, in a cultural time period. So what did it mean to the people it was written to? So when you're reading the book of Ephesians, what did it mean to the church in Ephesus? And so we learn, we, first of all, we ask, what does it say? Second of all, we, say, we ask, what does it mean? Then we ask, how do I apply this in my life? And that's the order. We can't go backwards. That's one of the reasons why I love to teach through the Bible expositorily. Because when you teach through the Bible, you have to. What does it say? What does it mean? How do you apply it? But those that have chosen a more topical approach, as many teachers do, they actually do things backwards. They actually ask the question, what's the application of the Bible? And then they go find scriptures that support the application. But the power of God's word is the way he he wrote it, the way he gave it. And that's the approach that we take. And let me just say, uh, let me give you a question that you shouldn't ask. And that if you use this vocabulary, I want you to stop it. Don't use this anymore, and you'll have to change your way of thinking. Because a lot of people will say this, what does the Bible say? What does it mean? And then they'll ask this question, what does it mean to me? Can I just say, it doesn't matter what it means to you. It only matters what God means. It doesn't matter what it means to you. You know, you might be in a small group study and they'll read a scripture and then what will they do? They'll say to the group, okay, everybody, what does this mean to you? Wrong question to ask. The right question to ask is, what does it say? What did God mean by it? And how do I apply it in my life? Not what does it mean to me? There's only one meaning to the Bible. There's only one meaning to the text. So if I would say, hey, let's read the Hebrews and, and say, okay, everybody, what does it mean to you? It'll have something over here, something over here, something. It's not, we don't want to know what it means to you. You want to learn, what do I do with God's desire for my life? What do I do with the word of God? So be careful when you use that phrase. Use it properly and learn how to apply it. So the pattern of Hebrews now is he's laid this foundational doctrinal framework of why it's important to stay focused and move forward and not go backwards. The Jewish Christians that this was written to were being tempted by the old religious system, the old covenant. They've been delivered from the old covenant. And it didn't make any sense for them to want to go backwards because in the old covenant, they would keep being told, look for Messiah, look for the Savior. When he comes, embrace him. So now that Jesus has come, they've embraced him but remember, they're having all of these feelings of going backwards. They, they miss their family that's abandoned them. They, they miss their status in society. They miss the formalities of religion. They miss the incense. They miss the sacrifice. They miss the, the priest standing in the gap. And now they're asking the question, okay, I'm not going to go backwards. I'm going to go forward. But how do I go forward? And the answer is we go forward by faith, by faith. Now, remember in the original language, the New Testament written in Greek, there are no chapter breaks. There are no verse numbers. Those were added much later to the Bible to help us navigate, and I'm grateful that they did. 
But sometimes they put a chapter break in a place that they really shouldn't have, and I think this is one of them. I want to tie these two chapters together, starting back in chapter 10, verse 35. Would you go there with me? Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35, because really this is all one thought of the application. Now the rest of Hebrews will be the application of living life by faith, starting with chapter 11, which is called the hall of faith. So in verse 35, a corner is turned. He says, therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. For yet a little while, and he who is coming will come and will not tarry. The coming of the Lord, he will come. Jesus is returning at any moment, at any time. And he will come, the Bible says. But the just now shall live by, what does your Bible say? faith. We spent a whole week looking at the importance of just you and I that have been justified by God will now live our lives by faith, not by works, not by religion, not by opinion, but by faith. But if anyone draws back, verse 38, my soul has no pleasure in him, but we are not those who draw back to destruction, but of those who believe to the saving of the soul. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. For by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Now, if you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle the word faith in verse 38, and you can circle the word faith in chapter 11, verse 1. You can circle both those words and draw a line between them. Because the just shall live by faith, and now we're going to see what faith looks like, and we're going to learn of the testimony of faith and what faith looks like. Like, how is it lived out but we also get a simple definition here of faith. And since you've already circled the word in verse 1 of chapter 11, faith, right next to it, this Greek word, P-I-S-T-I-S. That's the Greek word for faith. And the definition is, it means to win over. It also means to persuade. It means, it has the meaning of stability and steadfastness. And of course, the common words that we know, it also means to trust and to believe. And faith is the foundational principle along with truth in our relationship with God. And if you're taking notes, let me give you nine things, and it's not limited to just nine, but let me give you nine things that are critical related to faith within the Bible. For example, number one, the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. Because one of the things we're going to learn about faith is that it is not faith in faith, or it's not this power that God has given you to control God. Faith is not something that will bring great prosperity and money into your bank account and, and now you'll be driving a new car because you have more faith, more faith. You know, God loves you regardless of the level of faith that you have. You, you could have a great high level of faith today. You could trust God for great things. God loves you. And you could be on the other end of the spectrum and you could be in a place of low faith or even no faith. You could consider yourself today faithless. But God still remains faithful and he loves you. Faith is not related to prosperity as some people might falsely teach. The object of your faith is submission and surrender to God, not bossing him around like he's just going to take care of all, everything that you ever want and even more. And so the object of our faith is Jesus Christ. That's in Hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 where he's the author and finisher. Faith is only as valuable as the object that you place it in. And if you place your faith in man, you'll be disappointed. 
and you place your faith in money, you'll be disappointed. You place your faith in a televangelist, you'll be disappointed. You can think of a lot of different areas where you place your faith, but when you place your faith in God, you will not be disappointed because he remains faithful. Number two, the requirement for salvation is faith. Jesus was asked, what must I do to do the works of God? And what did he say? Believe. Salvation is accessed by faith. Thirdly, the fruit of the Spirit involves faith. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Number four, the gift of the Spirit, faith. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8 and 9. The gospel or the word of God is called faith. In Jude 3, Jude only has one chapter. That we are contending for the faith, for the gospel, for the good news that a life can be changed through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Number five or six, the lifestyle of believer is tied to faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 7. Next, number seven, the commitment of the believer is tied to faith. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. In Hebrews chapter 11, notice in verse 6, it says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. In order to please God, it requires faith and intellectual agreement with God and who he is. It's interesting, I don't know if you noticed, but quite a few atheists have started to leave the term atheist behind and adopt another title to describe themselves as a person that doesn't believe in God. And the most popular title, I just read an article recently of a, of a guy just dropping the term atheist because I think they're beginning to understand to call themselves an atheist really doesn't make sense. Because in order to be an atheist, you have to believe there's a God that you don't believe in. <laughs> and so they're leaving the title behind. Some of them, not all of them, but some of them. Because in order to be an atheist, you go, I don't believe that, the, I don't believe that there's a God that I don't believe in, that I don't believe there's, you know, it's just like they can't, they can't keep it straight. So in intellectual agreement, it requires, you know, faith is not a leap into the dark. You know, you share somebody, I, I follow Jesus Christ. Oh, yeah, it's just blind faith. No, my, it's the exact opposite. My eyes are open now to a new reality. I'm not blind. I can see. I can see things I never saw before. I can feel things I never felt before. I have a real relationship with a real God. And it's impossible to please God without trusting him and believing that he is. And that, notice, for he who comes to God must believe, this is verse six, that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And we'll get to that in a future study. And then number nine is faith is a shield against demonic attacks. In Ephesians chapter six, the shield of faith. And we're able to stand strong by believing God. And we're not the ones that draw back, but the ones that go forward. Now, coming again to verse 1 of chapter 11, faith is something that operates in the context of thing, two ways. In the context of, number one, things that haven't happened yet, and number two, things that cannot be seen or figured out with the human mind. So faith operates in a nether dimension. It, it, when we speak of faith, it reminds us that we live in two places at the same time. We live in the physical realm and we also live in the spiritual realm. And that's important for you to realize today that this life is not all there is. That this life, as brief it as is, it's described like a vapor that's here today, gone tomorrow. This life in the physical realm, because we are, here we are in a physical realm, we're in physical bodies, we're in a physical place, and we have life here. We are responsible to live our spiritual lives in the, in the physical realm. But at the very same time, you also live in the presence of God, where the angels are there crying out, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And, and don't you find that 
when we're singing songs to God with our eyes closed and our hands raised, and I know the room is filled with people, but there's that sense where you're just caught up into the presence of God. How does that happen? But the spiritual realm. You're in the spiritual realm and the physical realm at the same time. Faith helps us to access the spiritual realm. Faith gives us insight into things that can't be humanly seen or figured out by man's mind. Faith and hope are neither blind nor wishful thinking. Truly, notice what he says in verse 1. Faith is, and you can mark this word, substance. There is substance to our faith. You can circle that word and you can write next to it, hypostasis. That's the Greek word here. New Testament was written in the original language, much more flowery and descriptive at times. You can spell it. It's H-U-P-O-S-T-A-S-I-S. And it literally means foundation or assurance. It even has been used in the ancient Greek world to describe the title deed of something where you own. When you have the deed, you know that you own it. Like a lot of you are looking forward to that last house payment, that last one. I might be 103 years old, but I'm going to make that last house payment. And when you do, they will send you the deed and you will own the house. You, nobody can talk you out of it because if somebody, oh, you don't own that house and you go, boom, here it is, title deed. That's what faith is to you. Oh, you don't believe. Oh, you're not saying. Oh, you don't. No, no. Hey, my faith is the title deed. That's the guarantee. I believe God at his word. I believe God at his word. The evidence that he's given to us, it's substance. And secondly, it's substance of things hoped for. And then secondly, the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things not seen. You can circle that word. I'm, just gonna, I'm not going to say the word. I'll just give it to you. The Greek word is E-L-E-G-C-H-O-S. And it means conviction. It also means confidence. So faith has a substance, that's the title deed, the assurance, the guarantee, and it also has evidence, which is the conviction and the confidence that you have that what God said is true, even if I don't see it, even if I don't feel it. Why? Because when your faith is in the one true God, the only reliable object of your faith, we looked at this in brief last time, but you know that we all operate on faith. Every single person, Christian, believer, unbeliever, atheist, everyone operates on faith in everyday life. They just don't acknowledge that. Uh, like, for example, when you flip on the switch for a light, you do that by faith. You probably don't think that way, but your mind processes all kinds of things. It's dark in here. Where's the light switch? Oh, I know if I turn the light switch on, something will happen. Electricity will go for wherever it's coming from. And however it gets, however it gets it's going to go up and that light's going to come on. I mean, for, us, for most of us, I know there's a select few that understand electricity, but most of us have no idea how it works. And even if you explained it to us, we would have no idea. But we believe it works. I believe it works. Every time I flip a switch on, I believe it works. Every time I turn the switch on, I expect the light to come on. I don't need to, you know, some of you, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. And so you're like, okay, I'll never turn another light switch on till I break through the drywall, find that wire, and I'm going to flip the switch at the same time. I'm going to cut the wire. And I'm gonna, don't do that, by the way. Don't do that. Don't do that. It'll end very bad for you. No, you just say, no, I don't need to go behind the drywall. I don't need to know the wiring. Look, Ed, I'm not that complicated, man. I just flip the switch on and I wait for the light to come on. Well, 
that's a great way to describe your relationship with God. There are a lot of ways of God that you don't understand. There are a lot of ways that he's doing things and a lot of things that he, a lot of ways he does things that we don't fully understand. But we have no problem flipping the switch. Why? Because we believe that what God said is true. We believe people live that way every day of their lives. They just stop short when it comes to their creator. Because to put your faith in your creator, you have to admit a lot of things. You have to come clean about your own lifestyle. You have to come clean about your own rebellion. You have to talk about difficult things. You have to admit that you failed. You have to admit what the Bible says, you've sinned against a holy and a righteous God. You you have to submit to a moral authority above your opinion and above the majority. And most folks resist that because they're blind to the truth of God. And they're unwilling to come. Like Jesus said, how often they resist him and are unwilling. Faith is something that operates in the context of things that haven't happened yet. But we believe God in things that cannot be seen. There's substance and evidence because we worship a real God with a real conviction in our hearts that there's another unseen spiritual world happening right now. And by faith, trusting God at his word, chapter 11 will show us many men and women that through faith developed a good testimony. It's the same way you develop a good testimony. By faith, trusting God at his word and obeying him in your life. Now, you have to say though, because as you read through chapter 11, some people wouldn't call it the hall of faith. Some people would call it the hall of failure because the page is filled with failure. I mean, just go through and you can think of, wait a minute, you know, by the time we get to verse eight, it says in verse eight, chapter 11, by faith, Abraham obeyed. Abraham obeyed? Man, when I think of Abraham, I can think of some significant disobedience in his life. How about the time when he sold out his own wife and said, oh no, that's my sister. That's my sister, not my wife. Good job, good model as a husband, Abe. Not. He obeyed when he was called to go to that place. He went out not knowing where he was going. How about Sarah? Chapter 11, I mean, verse 11. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. She judged him faithful. That's not how I remember the text. When she was given the promise that she was going to have a child, and let me be careful here, in her older age. She was old. Do you guys remember the Bible? Genesis, she was very old. What was her response? Oh, I can't wait. Do the miracle inside of me, God. Yes, I'm old. I can't have a baby, but I'm going to have a baby. Was that? What did she do? She laughed. But what does the Bible say? She judged him faithful. You know what that tells me? That tells me that when God sees you, he sees you in those places of obedience. He sees your potential. He sees your progress, not necessarily all your failures. The problem is this. While God sees you one way, you may see yourself differently. And you look at yourself and you go, what a mess I am. How difficult my life has been. One failure after another. This is Abounding Grace, and you're listening to a message in Hebrews from pastor and Bible teacher Ed Taylor. Catch a replay when you visit AboundingGraceRadio.com. Now, if you haven't already, download the free app. Simply search for Calvary Church or Ed Taylor in the App Store or Google Play. 
Looking for some good summertime reading for that vacation of yours? Allow me to suggest The Jesus Style by Gail Irwin. It's a good one. Throughout his earthly ministry, Jesus taught that if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, become the servant of all. Now, he also modeled this through how he lived, and that's the emphasis of the Jesus style. You'll learn how to follow in the Lord's footsteps and become the servant of all. We'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Request your book today by calling us toll-free at 877 30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Not long ago, we created an e-store, which makes ordering resources like this super easy. You'll find it at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. And if you just want to make a donation to the ministry today, but you're not really interested in the pick of the month, you can donate online at aboundinggraceradio.com. And don't miss our next study in Hebrews with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.